Well, we're turning this morning to the book of Matthew, Matthew's Gospel, and to chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We'll read from the 19th verse there, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amen. We thank the Lord for this reading of his word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father, again, we come before thee this morning and we pray that you would open up the scripture to us and that you would affect us by it. Lord, so often we are able to read it, but it takes no hold upon our hearts. Perhaps we are distracted by something which is going on in our lives or those things which are going on even in this building. Lord, we pray that you would draw our attention to the word. And Lord, that we might take note in particular of those things which we have need of. Lord, thou art able to draw our attention back even in those times when it is wandered for those needful things. And Lord, we thank you that from the treasures, the good treasure of our heart, we are able to bring forth things old and new. And sometimes we might not remember uh, what the sermon was or its title or its points, but something which is said comes back to our mind in a time of need. And Lord, we thank you that you do lay up store for us. Even as we have read here, take no thought what you shall eat or what you shall drink or wherewithal you shall be clothed. It shall be provided. Lord, we realize 
uh, that sometimes those things are provided beforehand and the word is provided before we have need of it. Therefore we pray that thou wouldst help us to take heed this day and hide these things in our hearts that when trouble or difficulty comes we are not in need then. Bless us then we pray. Continue with us now. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. I want to take these words from verse 22 and verse 23. 23 will be my text, I suppose, the latter part of it, uh, but the whole of this statement of the Lord Jesus uh, will be the theme. So verse 22 says, The light of the body is the eye. If thought, therefore, thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. So here we have a, a plain statement of the Lord. And yet, of course, they, even the plainest of statements from the Lord Jesus take some consideration. We need to look into it and to meditate upon it. I always find it amazing just how much is in this book. Uh, it it uh, seems to be a large book, and I think that somehow uh, the devil puts in our minds that it's far too big a book for us to read, and yet it's not as big as some books, so I'm sure that some of us have read, uh, and it is quite easy to get through. And here we have some words that if we expand them, then the book becomes so large that it couldn't be read in a lifetime. And therefore, let us give attention to what is being said here. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. So I want to see this under three headings. First of all, the plain illustration. And then there's a parabolic implication. Of course there is. The Lord Jesus didn't just say things for the sake of saying them. And then finally I want to make a, 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 a cause us to consider a personal inquisition a plain illustration then well a simple explanation of the words because they are a bit strange uh, for our uh, way of thinking in this day and age the light of the body is the eye in what way is the light of the body the eye of course uh, we would think that if it is the light or uh, here if you uh, have a margin you may have the word lamp if the lamp of the body is the eye, you would think that somehow the inside of your body is lightened up by your eye. Well, of course, that's not what Jesus is saying, but he is speaking about those things which we are able to perceive through light. And, of course, we have a very useful tool given to us, and we are equipped with two sensors which detect it and a brain that can interpret it. And so light falls upon the senses of our eyes. The eyes themselves are uh, tremendous things. In the back room there we have a, a poster up uh, of the eye. It, always, uh, it would be a good thing for you all to have a look at it because it's extremely wonderful, uh, extremely complex and very beautiful in design. But here uh, we think about the, the eye first of all as being single. <coughs> single, if thine eye be single. Well, we're not cyclops, we don't have a single eye. Uh, we have two eyes. So what does it mean, uh, uh, if thine eye be single? Well, the word really means simple. If thine eye be simple, that is, that if it be fully functioning, if the eye is all working together as a single unit, 
uh, and that light that eye is allowing in light so that we can see in a plain way then our uh, our whole body shall be full of light we can see we can comprehend what is going on around us as we get older our eyesight uh, diminishes and I've discovered that. I've always had uh, good vision uh, throughout my life. Didn't need glasses till I was about 50. Uh, and uh, then started to, to, to need them a little bit for close-up work. And uh, really lament that. Uh, because I like doing stuff which is a fine work. And having to put glasses on is very annoying. And sometimes glasses can get in the way too. Uh, and so uh, that is annoying. And then also the eyes become darkened as we get older too. I'm not sure if there's a, perhaps a, a spiritual application to that very fact, uh, that it is uh, less likely for people as they get older to come to an understanding of the scripture than when they are younger. And there is a, a something there, perhaps a, a parable for us to consider. Come unto the Lord. Remember uh, the Lord in the days of thy youth, when the evil days come not, when we shall have no desire in them. Oh, if you are here today, boys and girls, uh, you little ones who are sitting there and not even looking at me. <laughs> Coming to Jesus when you're young, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ when you are young, how important that is. And what a difference it will make to your lives if you trust in him in childhood or in youth. So this word then, being single, is a word which means simple or fully functioning. But then it also says, uh, but if thine eye be evil. The word there is a word which actually means, in some senses, a, a, a moral evil. So what does it mean, if thine eye be evil? How can you have an evil eye? Well, people talk about an evil eye, but that's usually uh, some kind of a curse, uh, which is a... Um, uh, some people consider to be uh, something in this world uh, uh, but the evil eye here is not giving someone the evil eye the evil eye here is an eye which is not functioning in fact it is an eye which is not functioning at all or it is an eye which is functioning but not very well a jaundiced eye an eye which is coloring things we read sometimes of someone having rose tinted spectacles uh, and perhaps someone they uh, know, someone they love perhaps, can do no wrong. And they think that they are perfect. Well, they will come to a, a, a swift correction at some point during their lives that they're not perfect. Because nobody is perfect. We all have our faults. And so very often those who wear rose-tinted spectacles are warned by others around them. Saying, don't think that it's just as good as you think it is. Because we can tell you that it certainly isn't. So this word then, evil, it really means non-functioning. It can mean, perhaps, non-functioning as in not perfectly functioning, but it can also mean not functioning at all. And Jesus takes it to that extreme as he continues in what he is saying. So the eye is evil, the eye is wicked, it is distorting things it is showing things perhaps which are not there it is showing things or not showing things that are there and then it speaks here about the the body and the word used for the body here is the word soma uh, we use that word in uh, psychosomatic uh, diseases psychosomatic where uh, the mind or the the thoughts are making you feel ill even though you're not actually ill 
psychosomatic. That means the, the psyche over the body. Or actually the word psyche is the word we use for soul. So the soul affecting the body. So the body is the soma. It is just the physical what we are. It is that flesh. It is that which bears us about in this world. So the simple explanation here then is if your eye is a good eye and you can see well, then your whole body shall be full of light. You, you, you'll be able to see, you'll be able to do everything that, uh, uh, that a fully functioning human can do uh, because of a good sight. But if thine eye be unfunctioning, then your whole body is full of darkness and you cannot see. Just to take two scriptural examples, perhaps, blind Bartimaeus at Jericho, uh, as the Lord Jesus passes by and he cries out when he hears He doesn't see, but he hears that Jesus is coming. And so he cries out to Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus asks him what he will. And the first thing that comes to his mind is, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And that's an interesting thing because here is the savior of the world. And he is not crying out to the Lord Jesus, Lord, save my soul. He is not saying, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. But he is saying, first and foremost, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Because sight is a very important thing to us. It is a very important thing indeed. I remember a young man I saw uh, or I met in my youth. And uh, he was blind, born blind. uh, And yet he told me one day that he thought that he could tell uh, there was a power cut. Whether the meter had run out or quite what the reason was. I think it was a meter. uh, And the meter had run out and it had gone dark. And uh, we were playing chess, I think, at the time. And he had a chess chess board with raised squares and lowered squares. And he could feel the pieces. And he could feel where the squares were. And so he would play with his hands by touch. Quite an amazing thing. Uh, but then the lights went out. And, of course, he had the advantage then because he, could, <laughs> he knew where everything was with his fingers. And I couldn't see anything. And I was saying, oh, hold on, uh, I can't play at the moment because the lights have gone out. And he said, oh... He said, uh, I, I think I can tell you when the lights come back on again. Maybe I can see uh, just a little bit to tense when the lights have come on. And so I sat and I waited and the lights came back on and he sat and I was uh, uh, waiting for him to tell me the lights were back on. But no. And I said, no, the lights are back on. Uh, he couldn't see. Uh, he couldn't see at all. So here is Bartimaeus and he, he, the one thing he really desired was to be able to see and how important that is how careful we should be with our eyes but then a second scriptural example is perhaps Elimas the sorcerer in Acts thirteen six, uh, the apostle Paul was preaching uh, and he was preaching to Sergius Paulus and as he was preaching there there was Elimas the sorcerer Uh, who withstood them, seeking to turn away that deputy from the faith. Then Saul, uh, this is in Acts 13, verse 9, then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. So here, again, is this thought, a scriptural example of this plain illustration, that if your uh, light, if your eye be evil, 
then your whole body shall be full of darkness and he needed someone to lead him about I suppose somebody who's actually born blind has had slight advantage over someone who goes blind because they have been trained from their childhood to work without something which they have never known whereas someone that goes blind has depended upon their sight so much and now has to deal with it uh, without it the secondly hint then from this plain illustration there is a parabolic implication Uh, that is it's a parable jesus is saying something here and of course it comes in those last words of verse 23 if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness how great is that darkness if the light that is in thee be darkness how great is that darkness these are strange words too and if you were to say this and with some children amongst us and if you ask them the question how can light be darkness well they wouldn't be able to give an answer i'm sure and they would say well it can't light can't be darkness how can light be darkness but that's what jesus is saying if the light that is in thee be darkness and of course what he is speaking about is the fact that someone who doesn't accept that they can't see uh, they uh, convince themselves that they can see like that young man, man that i have mentioned and they, they convince themselves that they can see and they work upon what they can see when they can't see at all the Lord Jesus, I think, is taking uh, a bit of a, a swipe at the Pharisees here uh, because they have that darkness. It is, after all, in chapter 6, after he has spoken about those who are the hypocrites. Uh, be, do not as the hypocrites do. Uh, be not as the hypocrites are. Be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. Verse 16. So he's speaking about the hypocrites. Those who say they can see but they can't see. And now here is this parabolic implication. That you might have a light in you which is actually darkness. A light which you consider to be light which is actually darkness. And Jesus is saying if your light, if what you are trusting in is actually darkness. How great is that darkness? Because if you think it is light, you won't seek light. Because you think you already have light. You don't seek the salvation of Jesus Christ because you think you already have all that you have need of. The parabolic implications here then are spiritual. And to say, first of all, when we speak of the spiritual light, we speak of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, the Son of Man. Jesus says in John 9 9 and verse 5, and John makes the most of this in his gospel, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. John 8, 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And John 12:46 I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. You see Christ Jesus is the light. And if Christ Jesus is the light, then we need the eye which is single that we might see him, that we might perceive him, that we might recognize him. But if our light which is in us is some philosophy or some false religion, the religion of men, something made up in the mind of man, another philosophy in actual fact, then that darkness is greater than any darkness. 
We read together from Isaiah 60 and verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. And the light of Jesus Christ has come. It is here in the midst of us in these days. And yet so many consider themselves to be filled with light, but their light is darkness. Their light is darkness. They follow the philosophies of men. And quite arrogantly so. I read sometimes uh, questions that are put to people on the internet and the answers come back in great arrogance from atheists and uh, secularists uh, who just make bland statements with no support whatsoever uh, and they do so uh, with a mocking tone uh, even using the, uh, that shorthand of the internet uh, LOL, laugh out loud as they make those statements with this great arrogance They shed forth their darkness and they say that those of you who have the light are fooled that these things are not true when they themselves are in the darkness. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Again, we've read last Lord's Day uh, and a few times recently from Isaiah 60 and verse 18. Thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but the Lord shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and thy God thy glory. Thy sun shall no more go down, neither shall thy moon withdraw itself, for the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy morning shall be ended. If you're a Christian here this morning, then God has shone into your heart. We have no longer that false light or uh, that uh, created light of the sun or the moon. But we have the full glory of God. I saw a question uh, the other day which came up uh, on one of my uh, internet feeds. And it was asking the question, if the sun was only made on the fourth day, where did the light come from uh, for the first days? And uh, of course, uh, the, the answer to that is, well, God is light. And God was, even in creation, showing forth a parable that the light must come first. And the light must shine in our hearts that we might know salvation. And then we can also say concerning this, uh, about the the light of the world, the light of the world which we are, the saved of men. In Matthew 5 verse 14, Jesus says, of his disciples ye are the light of the world so he says of himself i am the light of the world and then he said of his disciples ye are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid it's in this very portion isn't it uh this sermon on the mount that the lord jesus says that in chapter 5 and verse 14 ye are the light of the world And so we, the saved among men, are a light in this dark world. We are to shine forth as lights. We are to shine that men might see uh, the the way of salvation. In that same uh, portion of, of Matthew 5, we read in verse 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light shine, so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It says men don't put it on a, under a bed but, or under a bushel, but on a candlestick. 
but it is speaking about God. It is saying that God, when he saves the soul of a person, shines light into their hearts, causes them to become a light in this world, then let us stand as lights in the world, that the world may know that there is a God who is light and that he has redeemed us. The Apostle Paul uh, recognizes the people as being light. For we were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The saved are men. We have a responsibility before the world. We cannot save the world. We cannot convince the world. But the Spirit of God can convince the world. But what we are to do is to shine in the world as the children of light. Again, in Philippians 2.15, Paul says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That is what we are. If you are a Christian, you are a light. Don't hide that light under a bushel, but let it shine forth, that men and women may know that there is a righteousness in Christ and in Christians. Then we can say not only the light of the world being the son of man and the saved of men, but there is a leading of the word, a parabolic implication, the leading of the word. Because in John's gospel in chapter one, it speaks about the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And it goes on and it tells us this, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. Then it goes on also uh, in verse 9 of John 1, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Is speaking about the world, the word which is Jesus Christ. And it goes on again in verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. What is glory? The glory is the light. The glory of God is the light of God. It is the light uh, physical sometimes. Remember in the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw the, the face of the Lord Jesus Christ like a light. Uh, they saw his clothes glistering uh, whiter than any fuller can white them and he that that light was the glory but there was also the light of his works the first of the miracles uh, in john's gospel which was the wedding at cana it says this was the beginning of miracles where christ showed forth his glory so there was a light in the miracles it was there to show people who he was so that there might be a revelation of his person. So the light is in Christ. And we can, if we read the rest of this, it says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is that light. The parabolic implication here is a light is amongst you. And there are some here who say they see, but they don't see me. They say they see the Father, but they don't see me. They say that they can see the way of salvation, but they don't see the way of salvation because I am the way of salvation and they don't see me. 
In Isaiah 42, verse 16, God says, I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. Jesus Christ adds this in actual fact uh, to the, the uh, portion of Isaiah that he read in the synagogue at Nazareth in chapter hold on here we go in chapter um, find it in a moment yeah in chapter 4 of Luke it says there uh, that he read from Isaiah in chapter 61 the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and then he adds in to the portion of scripture to re- and recovering of sight to the blind that's not in Isaiah 61 it is in Isaiah but not Isaiah 61 but he adds it in because it's very important and I can only think that he must have added this as a, a, a kind of a bracketed statement as he's reading and the and sight to the blind uh, and the Lord Jesus is the light of the world that the blind might be led by him so there's a parabolic implication here then if your eye is single if you are seeing properly you will see me if you have uh, that blessing of, of an eye which can comprehend me, it can see me, then your whole body will be full of light. But if you do not see me, then the light that is in you is darkness. And how great is that darkness? So it brings us to the thought of the lost of the world in this parabolic implication. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? First of all, we might speak of the Pharisees. Uh, when thou doest alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, that they dis- disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. And here, the lost of the world, first of all, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, those religious leaders. In John chapter 9 and verse 39, perhaps if you have your Bible there, we'll just turn to that portion. John 9 and verse 39. Here is a man who was, uh, who was blind and the Lord has given him his sight. So it's completely within the thoughts here concerning what we are saying. And in verse 39, after he has spoken to that man and he said, do you believe on the son of God? And he says, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, thou hast both seen him and it is I and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Verse 39. And Jesus said for judgment, I am come into this world that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. 
But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. What is he saying here? He is saying, You think and you proclaim and you claim to have sight and to lead the blind. But you are blind. And when the blind leads the blind, the both shall fall into the ditch. You are blind. And the, the Pharisees could not comprehend what he is saying to them because they could not see. The Pharisees, the lost of the world, the religious leaders. And not just religious leaders, because some, of course, would not consider themselves to be religious. But the philosophical leaders as well. Uh, those who have come out with their philosophical theories, uh, those uh, the, the, the Marxists and the, uh, those who follow after Hume and the like, uh, and these different philosophers, uh, those those are also religious leaders, uh, and the people follow after them, and they walk in darkness, and those who follow them walk in darkness, the lost of the world, who say we have the light, and you walk in darkness. While they walk and they fall into the ditch and take all those who follow them with them. The philosophers. In Job 5.13 we read, And he taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. They meet with darkness in the daytime and grope in the noonday as in the night. Is that not so true? When we think of the, the likes of, of Hume. In the noonday... When there was so much of the gospel and the preaching of the word in this country that he should seek after something else, groping, claiming that there was no such thing as a miraculous. How did he know that? Well, I suppose he went down to his local inn or his pub and he spoke to his friends and they said, have you ever seen a miracle? And they said, no, we've never seen a miracle. And he said, well, therefore, there aren't any miracles. Did he do research in the world? Of course he didn't. It was many years ago centuries ago he couldn't go across the world and ask uh, large numbers of people if they'd seen miracles he just came out with a statement that says i have not seen a miracle and my friends have never seen a miracle therefore there are no miracles which is nonsense and people follow him and they say no we don't believe in miracles because we've never seen one but there are many who have seen miracles and many who have had miraculous healings the philosophers and of course those who follow them the fools the followers the lost of the world so so many are in darkness but jesus christ came to give light to give sight to the blind oh that we might pray that we might see and that is the prayer and we cannot come to the lord and say yes i see and i want to follow you because we need to, that sight, first of all. We are blind. We are born blind. We are born in sin and iniquity. Therefore, what we can say to God, Lord, give me my sight that I might see. That I might see Christ. That I might know the truth. And that the truth might make me free. Finally then, a personal inquisition. That is, let us question ourselves. Do we have a light? Is the light that is in you a true light? Or is the light that is in you darkness? Are you going on your own thinking? Do you read the scripture? Do you consider the scripture? Do you pray for understanding? Or do you have some kind of a Christian philosophical view? Many people have. There are many people that I've met. And they have a kind of a Christianity 
a Christological view of life, but they don't know Christ. Uh, they might refer to him of, as the man upstairs or uh, like a friend down the, down the corridor. Uh, they don't really know Christ. And they have a, what they think is the light because they say, yes, I'm a Christian. But if you ask them anything concerning the doctrines of the scripture, they don't know because they don't read the scripture. What they have is a kind of a second-hand Christianity. It's not real. It's not real. And it will not stand the test in that day when the fire shall test all works. And that which is wood, hay, and stubble will be burned up. Oh, let us search our own hearts. Let us give ourselves an inquisition. Let us say to ourselves, do I know Christ? Do I know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do I know that light shining in my heart? And am I a light in the world? For if you have no light in the world, you are not Christ's. If you are Christ's, you will shine. It's possible, of course, to be hidden away. But nevertheless, every time you are discovered, the light will shine. But we are to be like a city set upon a hill, a lamp upon a lampstand, that we might give light to many. May the Lord bless us as we seek to do so. Thank the Lord for his word. We trust that he will write it upon our hearts.